you that I believe the Lord would have me share with you today that might just change your perspective on the situations and the circumstances that we face in this thing called life. I believe that God is up to something. How many would agree with me this morning? God's up to something. All week long I've been rehearsing what God has been doing and what He continues to do in this season. And and it's safe to say that God is up to something. He's been preparing us. He's been realigning us. He's been repositioning us. And today I believe He wants to change some of our perspective on maybe on some of the movement that some of us have made. You're going to understand that here in just a few moments. But I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God is up to something. He said that his sheep would know his voice and a stranger they would not follow. Listen, we are all following something. And that's why it's so important that we don't miss God's voice. When God is speaking, we need to listen and we need to follow. And as we talk about following today, I want to share something with you that the Lord deposited within me actually about four years ago now. Last Sunday, after I listened to Pastor Nicholas preach, last Sunday morning, laying beachside. And can I tell you, that's the best way to listen to somebody else preach. But did he not bring an amazing word last week? Breathe. It was titled. It was great. It was great. And I was already praying about what the Lord would have me share with you today. I didn't have time to study before I left and for today. And uh, later that Sunday evening, when Kayla sent me the pictures of this VBS set, they had this done Sunday night. The rest of the church was done throughout the week. But when she sent me this picture and I looked at it, this thing just happened where something that had been completely out of sight, out of mind for four years, the Lord reminded me of a sermon that I preached four years ago as soon as I looked at this set. And so I was just kind of motivated to go. I took my iPad and laptop and those things with me so I could study. And I went and sat down by myself and I read through that sermon from four years ago. And as soon as I read it, the Lord began impressing me on me to share it with you again today. A lot of you. How many wasn't even part of Freedom Point four years ago? Let me see your hands. See, look at that. Some of you will probably remember it. And those of you that don't ever pay attention to me won't anyway. So it's all new to you. Amen. But it's interesting to study the contrast, Kayla said I was going to talk about Daniel, the contrast between, or David, between David's destiny and David's decisions. Have you ever thought about that, how that in a sense, David was anointed as a 16-year-old kid, David was anointed to become the next king. And so because God said it, it had to happen. But there was a sense in which David's decisions throughout his life either supported or sometimes look like they would sabotage that destiny. And one thing that David said at the end of his life, it's important to look at David's decisions, and one thing that he said at the end of his life, very familiar passage of Scripture to many of you, Psalms chapter 37 and verse 23, gives us some insight as to how David looked at his decisions. This was toward the end of David's life. I want to read it to you this morning the way I've always heard it. I'm using the King James today because that's the way I memorize this one. But in the King James Version, Psalms 37 and 23 says, The steps of a good man or woman, can I get a witness, ladies? Steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message I just simply titled, Every Move I Make. Every Move I Make. Pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. For the next few moments, Lord, I pray that you would give me the vernacular that makes preaching effective. 
that people can hear and understand and comprehend, that you would anoint every ear to hear and understand. The Lord, you'd remove every distraction and every hindrance that would prohibit us from hearing and receiving your word today. Lord, I stand in amazement of how you have just aligned everything according to your plan and your will today. Lord, I ask you to do the same thing in and through your word. Let us leave differently than we came because we've been in your presence and changed by your word. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Brother Eric, if you'll put that scripture back on the screen for me this morning. Psalm 37 and verse 23. I love that verse. Is there anybody else like me in here this morning that memorized that one at a young age and you just love that verse? I love that verse. That verse speaks to me because I believe that my life is destined. That there is an outcome that God intends or he would not have put me on this earth. I believe that not only when it seems that way, but I also believe that when all the evidence around me is to the contrary. When it seems like nothing's going right. And as you know, in a court of law, is Chris Mills back there somewhere today? I think I saw him, yeah. Chris Mills and any other of our attorneys here today. In a court of law, you present the evidence. And then the judge and or the jury will deliver the verdict. Well, faith actually works the opposite way. God has already established a verdict, an outcome for your life. And now, as a child of God, you gather evidence to support the verdict of God's goodness on your life. I came to serve notice on the enemy this morning. The verdict is in. See, I already know that God is good. Can I get a witness? I already know that God is for me. This book says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I already know that I'm more than a conqueror. I already know that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. I already know that God is with me. Not only that, His word promised He'd never leave me. He'd never forsake me. He'd go with me all the way, even into the end of the world. So no matter what the enemy tries to throw at me this morning, no matter how he buffets, no matter how he wars, no matter how he fights, I've already read the end of the book. I already know the rest of the story. And the end of the story is we win. God is good. And I found that usually... You will collect evidence to support whatever verdict you've already decided to believe in your heart. Anybody ever known any negative people? I know some people that claim to be saved, but they ain't never had a good day in their life. They ain't never felt physically well in their life. You gather evidence to support the verdict you've already decided to believe in your heart. The book tells us to call those things that are not as though they were. That's how you speak it by faith. So David says at the end of his life, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. What's interesting about this verse is that everything in David's life, his early life, seems to contradict the conclusion that he came to at the end of his life after God had anointed him to be king. See, he didn't step right into his appointment to be king because there's always a space between that thing that God shows you, that dream or that vision, and the fulfillment of it. There's always a space there. 
there. And for the last 15 years of David's life, it doesn't seem like his steps have been very ordered. In fact, it seemed more like Saul is determining his next move before God, uh, more than God is determining his next move. In fact, it seems like he's moving away from the throne that God had promised him that one day he would occupy. And we find him in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1 in a place known as Ziklag. It's a surprising place to find a future king of Israel because it's Philistine territory. You may remember that, that the enemy that he defeated, Goliath, was a Philistine warrior. How could it be that David would be living in the territory of the enemy that he had already defeated? But he's on the border between Philistia and Israel, and he's waiting to see what God has next for his life. And he just received the news while he was in Ziklag that Saul is dead. And I just got to be honest with you this morning. If you've not heard the story, you need to dig in the Bible and read it. But for those of you that have heard the story, if I was David, hearing that Saul was dead would have made me want to throw a party. I'd have been like, let's, let's celebrate. Let's have a party. Because Saul is the guy who was always coming at David's head with a sword or a spear. Saul was the guy who was always trying to do evil for David when David hadn't tried anything for him except to give him some good music in the palace. Saul was the guy who promised David, I'm not going to mess with you anymore. And while he was telling him, I'm going to leave you alone, he was already making a plan and strategizing to head him off at the next pass. And while we're expecting David to celebrate the news of the death of Saul, not only had Saul fallen on his own sword and taken his own life because I've got good news for all of you this morning. You don't always have to fight against everything that comes against you. If you'll just let go as Kayla spoke this morning and let God, you'll find that sometimes God will kill things in his own time. When the time is right, you won't have to do it. And they may even kill themselves on their own sword. You ever known anybody that just hung themselves? Uh huh. God is going to kill it if you'll not fight against it on its own sword when the time comes. So they tell David that Saul is dead, but instead of celebrating, David goes into a period of sorrow and mourning and he writes a song of lament for his enemy, King Saul, and his sons, one of whom was Jonathan, who, strangely enough, was. Uh, David's best friend. Jonathan should have been his rival, but he ended up being his partner. And uh, when he received the news that Jonathan had died, who was his friend, and that Saul had died, who was his oppressor, because usually if you look right past good news, bad news is always lurking around the corner. Can I get a witness this morning? A lot of times. A lot of times, you get the good news, and then before you can turn around and celebrate the good news, there's bad news. And sometimes that makes us suspicious of when everything is going good, right? And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but for David, it's not a very sweet moment or an announcement that brings him joy. And he writes what's known in his Hebrew poetry as a lament. It becomes a national lament because after he writes it, he teaches the people to sing it. I want you to look at just a few verses in 2 Samuel, what he said after hearing the news of Saul's death. 2 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 25, he said, uh, how the mighty have fallen in battle. He's not celebrating good times. He's despairing over the death of somebody who was trying to kill him. That's kind of strange. And then he says, Jonathan lies slain on your heights. Remember, Jonathan was his friend. And then he said, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful. 
It's kind of hard. In other words, he was saying, Jonathan, it's kind of hard. You are my best friend. It's kind of hard down here without you around. I know you're up in heaven. I know you're smiling down. But it's hard. And if you continue reading in chapter 2, there comes a shift where David knows, i got to stop mourning and i got to move on. And there comes a time in your life, here your pastor this morning, when you got to stop mourning over some things. Nobody can tell you when that time is. Only God can tell you when you've cried over your Saul long enough. Only God can tell you when you've cried over that thing that didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out long enough. Only God can tell you when you've cried over that relationship that got severed long enough. Only God can tell you when you've cried over that promotion somebody else got on your job that you thought you rightfully deserved long enough. Can I get a witness this morning? Only God can tell you that. But there comes a point in your life when you have to stop mourning and move on. You're no good to the kingdom if you stay in mourning. And that's what the prophet Samuel had to come to terms with. I know that you believed in Saul, and I know that you prayed for Saul, and I know you wanted more out of Saul, but it's time to fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Listen to me, because sometimes in your life, your plan B was God's plan A. It's the way God intended it to be all along. And Saul said, or Samuel said, I found a man. Samuel realized that God was saying, I found a man after my own heart. And his name was David. Nobody thought David would be the king. Listen, I think we might have some church in here today. I think we've already had some church in here today. But I think if you'll get this message, we'll have some church in here today. I want you to look at the person next to you and tell them, there's a shift. Be careful saying that you're in church. There's a shift. There's a shift that happens. I didn't think about that until after I said it. When David has to decide to physically step in to what God had set him apart for. I know I have to be careful preaching stuff like this because people will twist my words and quit their job and blame it on God. This is not a license for irresponsibility and it's not a cop-out for us to blame God for our bad decisions. But let me just take a quick poll. Does anybody in the room besides me have a life decision that you need to make in front of you? Anybody? Let me see your hands. Raise your hand all over the room. If you have a life decision you need to make, look at that. I want to tell you, it won't be as big as David's decision to be king, because you and I are just not that majestic. But don't you believe that the same principles that govern David's epic rise and his dynasty are the very same principles that God would use to govern mine and your everyday life? Very same principles. The principles are no different. The stakes for us may not be quite as high, but the principles are no different. And I want you to watch what David did when it came time for him to decide. Saul is dead. So now I have to step into what God has set me apart for many years ago. That's the issue. How to get there. When to get there. And any conversation about trust must involve a conversation about timing. Trust and timing are inseparable. Because how many knows trust takes time. It, it's okay for it to take you some time to trust somebody. Trust takes time. That's why, guys... If you're lucky enough to get her to go out with you to start with, don't tell her about the crazy in your family. 
try as hard as you can to get her to fall for you before she meets the rest of the clampets. Can I get a witness? Trust takes time. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 1, I want you to watch this. In the course of time. That phrase would preach by itself. I don't have time to preach it this morning, but it's a phrase that's used throughout the whole narrative of David's life to signify a shift. Every time you see it, it's used multiple times in David's life to signify a shift in the course of time. We don't know how long that was. We don't know exactly what period it's referring to, but it's a significant phrase because it took David some time to figure out what God wanted him to do next. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah, he asked. The Lord said, Go up. David asked, where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. So David went up there. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh. If God would speak to me that specifically, I would obey too. Is anybody else like me? Wouldn't you love to hear that kind of clear insight and direction for your life? Wouldn't it be amazing if God would just speak to you so specifically like this? I think many of us in this room could be called a man or a woman after God's own heart if we would be privy to this kind of direct communication and direct information from God. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this word this morning, strategy. Because David is asking God for his next strategic move because he wants to take the right next step. He wants his next step to be the right step. See, he's been running for 15 years. He don't want to waste any more time. But God, I need to know my next step. I need to know, is this battle? I'm going through God. Is it ever going to end? Or am I on lap six and I just don't even know it yet? Because I need to know my next step. And how easy would it be if God would just say, yep, just one more to go. You just got one more to go. The problem is... Most of us, most of us, I include myself in this, most of us don't enjoy this kind of specific communication with God. And I found a lot of times in my walk with the Lord, many times the people who say they do are weird. The people who say, who they tell you, God, when they get up in the morning, God tells them what to wear. God tells them what to eat. God tells them where to go for lunch that day. Or God tells them, go here, there's going to be this there and all that. A lot of times, a lot of times they're weird. I'm just being honest with you. And they'll often do something. Here's, here's, where I, here's the only time I have a problem, though, with it. They'll often do something that contradicts the written word of God. And they'll blame it on an impression. And call it the Holy Spirit. And then that messes it up for all of us. Are you with me? Hear me this morning. Because now, I don't want to say that God told me to do something because I've heard so many people use that phrase sometimes to justify their own decision and put it on God so that they don't have to deal with the outcome. Several years ago in the old church on a Wednesday night when we just had regular services and we didn't have classes, this lady came up at the end of the service. I don't know if Sister Karen remembers it or not. But she came up and she wanted special prayer. And it was me and Karen at the altar to pray with her. And I don't know any other way to say it except to just be honest with you. Her elevator didn't go all the way to the top. How many knows what I'm talking about? Her french fry box wasn't all the way full. Are y'all with me this morning? I'm not being mean. She just wasn't quite right. She told us some bizarre things, and she wanted special prayer. Now listen, how many knows that we're called to pray for, love on, and pastor those kind of people too? Right? 
So that's what we did. We prayed for her. She told us she was a preacher. She told us she was a prophet. She taught us all these things. We prayed for her, had a good prayer for her. She left. We never seen her again at church. And then one day I was sitting in my bank office and I was working and I had an appointment scheduled with somebody and I was preparing for that appointment and they came to my office door and they said, so-and-so is here to see you. Well, I didn't recognize the name because I'd only heard her name one time. And I said, I, that doesn't sound familiar. Did she say she had an appointment? And they said, no, but she says that she has to see you. And I said, okay, I've got somebody else coming, but send her on back. I'll see what she wants. And she came in my office and she sat down and when she walked in the door, I had one of those oh boy moments. She walked in the door and she said, do you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you. And uh, we talked for a minute. And she said, well, she said, I've, there's this garage that I found. And she laid the information down on my desk. There's this garage that I found, commercial garage, that I want to buy. It's $200,000. I don't have any money down. I want to renovate it and turn it into a church. I don't have any of the money for that either. And God told me to come see you because you were the man that was going to make it happen. And I sat there for a second and I said, help me, Holy Ghost. And I felt impressed to reach down and pick up my hometown bank loan policy manual. It calls me by name in there. It did. I don't work there anymore. But it told what rank I had in the bank. And I was a vice president, what my lending authority was. And then what our loan policy was, what we had to do. I pulled it out and I said, ma'am, do you see this? She said, I do. I said, this is my loan policy manual. It clearly defines my authority, what I can do and what I can't do. Uh, my, it's under my lending authority. I could lend you that much, but here's what it says the guidelines are for that. And I explained to her, I can't lend you 100% of the purchase, nor can I lend you 100% of the renovations that you need to do. And I said, so I don't mean to be offensive to you, but God did not tell you to walk in here and tell me that he was going to have me do something that God himself knows is not even within my authority. Be careful what you say God said. Make sure it lines up. I'm, I'm just trying to say that I wish it could be this specific. Sometimes I wish talking to God could be more like Google. Can I get a witness? I'm just being honest with you. Because I have a great relationship with Google. I don't know about y'all, but I go to Google and I start to type something in that I'm looking for and it knows what I'm getting ready to ask. It pre-fields it and all I got to do is click on it and it gives me the answer. Google knows a lot about my life. If you don't think it knows about you, just put your name in the city and state you live in in there. It'll tell you some things. But what I like about Google is that Google seems to anticipate what it is that I need to know. And sometimes God seems to be just the opposite. I'm begging him sometimes, God, let me know what to do about this decision, about this situation. What if you could invest all of your money with the same kind of knowledge that David went to Hebron with, Right? What if God could tell you which stock to invest in? What if God could tell you how to balance the portfolio? What if God could tell you, this will hit home with some people, what job position to apply for and where? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you just feel like that, wow, God's just ordering my steps? It's like the, they're old and out of date now, but it's like the Amazon Echo thing in my office. Anybody have those? Her name's Alexa. Anybody have one? I've had one. We got it free years ago. I still have it in my office. I still use it because I can say her name. I can say Alexa, and she lights up. It don't always work that way with Angie. <laughs> I can say Alexa, and Alexa lights up. And if I don't say anything else, she'll say, yes, Sean. <laughs> and then I can ask her a question, and she'll give me the answer. I can tell her to play a song. I can do all of those different things, and she'll do whatever I tell her to do. But now listen, let me tell you something. Alexa's pretty confident in herself. 
A few years ago, Kayla and I were sitting in my office at the old church discussing children's ministry. And I didn't say Alexa's name. And I don't recall Kayla saying Alexa's name. But all of a sudden, she lit up. She chimed in on our conversation. And she was talking about children's ministry. We looked at each other and I was like, that's kind of scary. Unless Alexa's used of the Holy Ghost, right? I doubt it. Alexa's also good to check something. You can ask her a question and she'll confirm whether you're right or wrong. I can say, Alexa, is Frankfurt the capital of Kentucky? And she'll say, yes, Sean, Frankfurt is the capital of Kentucky. And see, I have a feeling that when David inquired of the Lord, God, where do I go next? I'm using that to make a point. He was already on his way. Hear me this morning. He was just checking. If you don't hear anything else that I've said today in this service, I shared it with a few people at the altar. Hear this. He was just checking because when you walk in God's way, then you will know God's will. When you walk in God's way, you will know God's will. All you've got to do is check. Jesus said, if I leave... I'll send the Spirit of truth, and He'll show you the ways to walk in. He said the Holy Ghost would be a teacher. See, I don't have to ask God about every single minute decision in my life. I don't have to stress myself out all the time over God's perfect will. Listen to me. When I live my life in God's ways, I have the confidence that my steps are ordered by the Lord. My steps are ordered by the Lord because I delight in His way. I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to worry so much about the what when you get the why right. When you walk in the ways of God, when you submit to Him, God's strategy is submission. If you're writing things down, that's the next thing I want you to write down, submission. Because in all of the steps that David took away from the throne, for 15 years of his life into the land of the Philistines, into the place of Ziklag, while it looked like he was moving away from the promise that God had made him, he was moving into submission. The steps of a good man are ordered. Wait just a minute. That's what they do in the military, right? Any military, former or present in the house today? I see military all over the room. That's what they do in the military. They give you orders. And I found out that a lot of people will rejoice over the sovereignty of God, but they'll resist submission. That's quiet. See, that's the problem in the church world today. Everybody wants to go to strategy, but they don't want to first stop at submission. You've got to submit yourself to the ways of God before you'll ever walk in the will of God. To believe in sovereignty without embracing submission is not faith. It's a fairy tale. So if I say my steps are ordered by the Lord as a way of excusing my decisions, I've misunderstood the implications of Psalm 37 and 23. I wonder how much differently we would respond to that passage of Scripture if we considered the word ordered. Because when David went to God, he didn't give God his opinion. Hmm. Let that sink in. David did not give God his opinion. What he did was ask God for his next order. See, when you live like that, you can have complete and total confidence in every move you make. Whether you are moving away from your goal or towards your goal, you can know I'm in submission, so I have peace because submission 
brings peace in your life. But when you try to get the strategy before submission, you're out of order. And it don't work. When you say God orders your steps, understand that you're saying, what you're saying is not that God will take the next step for you, it's that he will tell you which step to take. So when I was laying in a hospital bed with a massive blood clot in my leg, running from the call of God on my life, and I asked God to heal me, God did not do it until I submitted to what he wanted me to do, which was to make the commitment to him That if he would heal me, then I would preach the gospel. That required submission. And when I submitted myself to God's way, then I experienced God's will. See, a lot of the things that we go through in this life are because we're out of order. It's going to get quiet now. Sometimes when your finances are out of order, listen to your pastor. You actually have all the money that you need. It's just out of order. It's because God is not really first in your priorities. Now don't challenge me about this this morning because I can tell you what your priorities are by looking at your checkbook register. I got one person helping me. That's why I sold her a house I can't afford myself this year, last year. Praise the Lord. She understands. I can tell by your ledger. I can tell because everybody else, hear me, gets your first, and then God gets what's left. When you give God your best, then God blesses what's left. But when you give God what's left, how can you believe God to give you his best? You're out of order. The very few times that Angie and I have fought in over 27 years of marriage, very few times, But we have had a couple humdingers. But when we fought, it was not because we don't have a blessed marriage. It was because something was out of order. See, there's a step that I was skipping. When I talk to my wife and I need to work something out, the thing that I have to do before I can explain myself is to empathize. How many knows what that means? That's something that doesn't come very naturally to me. But empathize means that sometimes there's something I need to learn about the way she feels or the way that she sees it so that I can come on over to her side. That's why we have so much racial and religious tension in our nation and in the church today. We're out of order. Before we even listen to one another, are you hearing me today? We're giving a lesson to the other. But you can't give the lesson until you're willing to listen. You can't tell people that speak truth. You can't call them a hater and a bigot. Because this book is not about opinion. you got to listen to what thus saith the word of God. And if God says it's wrong, it doesn't matter who says it's right. You are the one that's out of order. But then we get frustrated because it's not working. Heads are banging and clashing and we don't know what to do. Looking at David's life. It's interesting how when he was in order, and I'm not far from being finished. When he was in order, everything had a flow to it. The oil flows when you are in order. The Bible says, he inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to the cities of Judah? Which was not, by the way, the ultimate capital because everything God does happens in steps and stages. It was going to be seven and a half more years before David would come into the fullness of his calling. And all you need for now, all of us in this room, is to know your next step. 
David had been making moves. He'd been working toward this moment where he would go to Judah. He had sent the man of Judah gifts. And when he went up, he was set up now and he asked, God, is now the time? Because I don't want to move until you want me to move. And in one sentence, God taught him his next move because for 15 years, God had been teaching him about submission. I'm trying to preach this to you this morning so that it don't take some of us that long to learn to submit. And if you can get this, receive this message today and submit your desires, God will tell you what to do when you delight yourself in his way. See, that's what, if you'll put the main text back up on the screen, Brother Eric, that's what Psalms 37 says, that he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. All of my life, I always thought that that meant that God delights in the good man's way. But no. Of course God would delight in the way of a man that's doing God's way. That doesn't really make any sense. But what this is saying is, it means that when I delight in his way, my steps are ordered by the Lord, and I delight in his way. Are you with me? I can stay on this step of my life, this stage of my life, as long as I need to. I can stay in this season as long as I need to stay in this season. God, I don't want you to... Give me any greater responsibility or any influence until you say that I'm ready. I don't want to come out of this oven until I'm ready. I don't want to enter into that promotion until I'm ready. When you say step, God, then I will step. It's a statement of submission, but it's also a statement. The last thing to write down is sequence. It's also a statement of sequence. When a group of us from the church went the early days of the cove, when we didn't have all four connect groups, we went to an escape place in London. I don't even know if it's still there. But the guys did it and the girls did it and we competed to see who could win. But when the guys of us were in that room, that part of the escape involved combinations and they gave you the numbers but you had to figure out the sequence using clues. But you didn't have any clue uh, and you didn't have any choice but to get it right because even with the right numbers, if you didn't have the right sequence, you'd never get that lock open because it has to be in order. has to be in the right sequence. David couldn't be a king. Hear me when I say this. David could never be a king until he first learned to be a shepherd. Because there was something that he needed to learn about at the, po- at the bottom so that God would enable him to be who he needed to be when he got to the top. God will never place you over a ministry until you first learn to serve faithfully and consistently yourself. And all the staff should be clapping and saying amen. And the council and everybody else. you got to first learn. If you're too big to serve, you're too little to lead. God not only knows the where, but he knows the what and the when. And you can trust him because you have everything you need when you need it. And I've been thinking about this all week. If I'd known this 16 years ago, how awesome it would have been. But then I realized this week I wouldn't have known what to do with it 16 years ago when I got called to preach. It's taken me 16 years to really be able to appreciate and to understand uh, walking in the call to fully respect what God's speaking to me now in this season. That's what I mean when I say my steps are ordered. I mean that not only are my steps ordered that feel like this. I want you to take in this with me because I don't want to waste any time this morning. Not only are my steps ordered when they feel like this. When God has taken me up, when God is elevating me and putting me on another level, when I get up on the mountain and I'm looking over and I see the things that are taking place below, not only are my steps ordered then, but my steps are also ordered, hear me this morning, when they feel like this. 
when I feel like I'm starting to sink, when I feel like I'm going down, when one day I wake up and I look around and I find myself in the valley, then my steps are still ordered. See, you can't have one without the other. To say my steps are ordered means that not only does promotion come from God, but sometimes pain does too. Sometimes pain does too. My steps are ordered. God knows which step is three, which step is four, which step is one, which step is two. And if I start skipping steps, anybody ever missed a step? Doesn't end too well, does it? If I start skipping steps, I'm likely to end up on my face, which is the next thing David said. Look at verse 24. Though he fall, watch this. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. It means that my confidence is not in the stability of my feet. My confidence is in the stability and the sovereignty of his hand. Even when I fail. Are you with me this morning? I'm going to talk about me. I ain't talking about you. Even when I tripped, because I have, even when I missed it, even when I messed up, even when I stumbled, my steps were still ordered by the Lord. Because it's about sequence. If they'll come to the music this morning, God knows what to do. God knows when to do it. I want to ask you this morning, do you trust God's sequence? Do you trust that in some seasons, God's going to move you away, and in some seasons, God's going to move you toward? Some seasons, God's going to use things you love, but some seasons, God's going to use things you don't like very well. As I was studying this week, the Lord reminded me of a question that He asked me over four years ago. The Lord said, Sean, are all of your steps ordered or just the ones that you like? And when the Lord said that to me, I thought, wow. Because sometimes we feel like we're going down, don't we? But our steps are still in order. If we're walking in God's way, we can trust God for His will. God's order isn't like our order. Peter said to Jesus, you can't go to the cross yet. You can't let them kill you yet. They can't kill you until you establish the kingdom. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. I can't establish the kingdom until they kill me. Because I have to go down like Jonah went down to the belly of the earth for three days. Because that's the only way I can rise again. My steps are ordered. My right steps, my wrong steps, the steps I like, the steps I don't. Every move I make is ordered by the Lord. I want to ask Nicholas to do something to illustrate something to you this morning, and then I'm going to open this altar. Nicholas, I want you to take three notes and play them in a sequence of four any way you want to, any order you want to. change the order play that again 
what would happen if you took those notes and ascended up the scale and all the way back down the scale? What's that sound like? Same notes. What if you took and made full chords out of that, added some harmony, went up the scale? Speed that up a little bit. Speed, play, keep playing that. Kind of sounds familiar, don't it? Let's add the drums to it. Did anybody listen to praise and worship music in the early 90s? Let's add the guitars to it. Let's add some harmony in it this morning. I feel the Lord right now. Let's get the band playing. They still sing this in kids' church if you know it, sing it. Every move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, Jesus. Every step I take, I breathe in you. It'd help if I read the words. Every step I take, I take in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Come on, sing this. Waves of mercy, waves of grace. Everywhere I look, I see your face. Your love has captured me. Oh my God, this love. How can I sing this out? Nah, 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 nah. nah. Where's my nonners at? Sing it. Nah, 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 nah. Nah, now sing it out big and loud, every move. Every move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. That's it, sing it out. Every step I take, I take in you. You are my way, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Now sing it out big and loud this morning. Waves of mercy. Some of y'all are having fun, I love it. Sing it out. Now give the Lord some praise. Y'all go ahead and play. See, I love y'all. This is the way I prayed it would happen. It just didn't happen that way at 845. That's okay, though. We love them, too. I want them to get ready for what they're going to sing for altar. And actually, the most fitting thing would be, I trust in God. I just did that this morning to show you something. It was the same exact four notes that Nicholas played the first time. It was the same exact four notes that he played again in a different order. But when he got the sequence right... When we added the rhythm, when we added the harmonies, then it became something familiar. And it looked like, whoo, I feel the Lord all over me right now. I got chills from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. When it, 
when we begin to realize and recognize. See, this is what I'm trying to tell some of you this morning. Go ahead and play and get ready to sing. In your life, when it might have felt like the steps were going in the wrong direction, when it might have felt like things didn't look right, if you'll just keep submitting yourself to God's way, you will recognize. I said you will recognize God's will. When the order gets right, that's what I'm preaching to you today. I'm believing God is going to set some things in order. Sometimes our lives get out of order. And it don't make us any less of a person or any less of a Christian when things are out of order. And sometimes, whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Sometimes the way that God is taking us feels unfamiliar. It's not the way we would have went ourselves. For you have questioned your next step. But I would say to you today, if you would just submit yourself completely to my way, I will reveal unto you my will. For my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The way that you perceive the next step is not the way that I have planned for you. You must submit yourself to my way, and then I will reveal unto you my will. But I do say to you this day, if you will walk in my way, you will find every step will be ordered. That that the enemy thought he would use against you as evil, I, even I, the Lord, will turn it around and work it for your good. But you must submit yourself to my way and trust me to perform my will in your life, says the Lord. Lift your hands all over this room and just give the Lord some praise and worship this morning. Father, we thank you for the speaking of your spirit. If you're not aware of what just happened, there's two different kinds of tongues in the Bible. One is a prayer language between nobody but you and the Lord. The other is the gift of tongues and interpretation where God speaks to his people by his spirit that's what just took place God's trying to tell some people in this house today if you'll submit to my way I will reveal my will to you it may not look familiar right now but you're going to recognize it just as the Lord spoke to me at camp meeting several weeks ago when you see it jump all over it I just heard somebody say it you will see it you will recognize God's will 